Good morning, everybody. I want to just read to you a couple of lines out of a song that I was playing during the prayer time. We have some very heavy things to pray about, don't we? God knows what those things are. He knows what's going on among us and around us. If you remember two weeks ago, the Lord spoke to us and said, don't think that you have a God that doesn't know what's happening around you. He does. Fanny Crosby wrote this song. It is one of my all-time favorite songs. I could say that about dozens of her songs, but this is one of my all-time favorite songs. He hideth my soul. You know, the world may be turning about us and around us, even underneath us, but our soul is secure in the hand of our God, and we must not forget that because he puts us in the cleft of the rock and he covers us there with his hand, just like he did Moses. I am thankful to be here with you this morning and I'm terribly sorry I wasn't able to be here last week, but believe me, you wouldn't have wanted me here. <clears throat> I am thankful to the Lord for his blessing and his mercy and his healing power and I took my bottle of um, anointing oil that I had given everybody and I anointed myself and I said, Lord, there's nobody here but me and you, <laughs> and you do the work anyway, so please heal me and I'm thankful that he did. I wanna share something with you today that the Lord gave me on uh, Thursday and I hope it blesses you. I'm gonna be reading in the book of Matthew Chapter 5, verse 43, we're going to start there. And in this passage of scripture, Jesus told us exactly what was required in order for us to be identified as children of God. Sometimes bearing this identity isn't easy. Sometimes it's messy and uncomfortable, and sometimes it's even unwanted from those around us. But Jesus says that our very identity in Christ, in the Father, is tied to the love that we have one for another that we show to others. Reading Matthew 5:43, you've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may prove yourselves to be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors do this. Mind you, this is the book of Matthew that we are reading from. Matthew was a tax collector, and Jesus is using these words. Even the tax collector, collectors do this. And if you greet only your brothers and your sisters, what more are you doing than others. 
Even the Gentiles, they do not they do the same. And verse 48, therefore, by doing these things, therefore, by doing these things, you shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And the interpretation of perfect in that sentence, in that scripture, is perfect in conformity to the laws of God. So Jesus said, by doing these things, our identity as children of the Father will be sure. That you may be the children of the Father which is in heaven. Why? I felt like the Lord challenged my heart with this scripture. I've always kind of equated this scripture to judgment, but this is not about judgment. This is about the love of God. Because he loves us, think about it, he loves us enough that he saw fit to share his goodness, his sunshine, and his reign with the just and the unjust. In order to bless you, he blessed someone who didn't deserve it with the same blessing that he gave you. That's love. That's unequivocal love of the Father. To share his glorious sunshine without which our lives could not go on. Our universe could not go on. The rain that sustains us, our food could not go on without both. And God said, I'm giving it to both the just and the unjust. Why? Because he loved us so. He shared his very best with those who were undeserving of it. If God the Father set this example for us, and he did, and Jesus said, this is what you must do to be identified as children of the Father. We have a work to do, don't we? I already said that it's hard. It's frustrating. It might not go our way. <laughs> but Jesus has said, if you want to be identified as sons of God, this is what you must do. I'm going to tell you two stories this morning. One involves you. I write for a women's online magazine, and every month the editor sends out a question, the same question, to the whole panel of writers who are all women. I think I'm the oldest. <laughs> there are some young mothers who write in between people, grandmas like me. And for the book, for the month of August for the magazine, the question was, what do you like to do to acknowledge when someone you know loses a loved one? And I immediately wrote back to her. Sometimes her questions are, what fingernail polish do you like to use? Or, you know, just general stuff that she wants to get a, a response from all of us. 
And sometimes I write back and say, Marcy, I'm going to pass on that question because it means nothing to me. I don't even have a point of reference to answer. But on this one, I immediately wrote back and I told her how the precious ladies in this church formed a food train and brought meals to my family when Jim was so sick and passing. The love of God that you showed and the love for your pastor that you showed was exactly what the father was talking about. It identified you as children and women of God. I said it wasn't even the food itself that was brought. Some were sandwich makings. Some were a snack or a dessert. Some were entrees or something that was frozen to use at a later time. None of that mattered. What mattered was the love that was attached to the gift that was given. A lady that I'm familiar with through this forum, I've mentioned it here before, called Buy Nothing Project. There's two aspects to the Buy Nothing Project. You can put something that you have to give away, or you can ask for something that you need. And if there's a match, somebody will write and say, oh, I have that, you can have it if you want it, whatever it is. This one particular lady has posted many, many times, always asking. Her family is always in need. She has three children. They needed pants for school and shoes, shirts, toys at Christmas time. But often she'll say, it's two weeks before the end of the month and we have no milk or we have no bread. Does anybody have any extra that you could share with us? She often speaks ill of her children's father in her posts. She often says things that are rough around the edges, things that we wouldn't normally say. Most recently, she was asking for something I thought was a bit frivolous in her situation. She was asking for blankets and bed pads to use for the at-risk kittens that she had chosen to foster, all five of them. Always, always asking. Often abrasive, almost never polite, and very little thankfulness involved. Last week, week before last, excuse me, towards the end of the week, she posted a picture of herself laying in a hospital bed in the emergency room in a sling in, on her arm and said, I was skateboarding with my son and I fell and I broke my wrist and I have to have emergency surgery tomorrow. Could anybody donate meals? to my family while I'm not able to help them and take care of them. And strangely, I didn't see anyone respond to her post 
right away. People keep their phone beside them, and as soon as they get a message, they respond right away many, many times. But no one responded, and I thought to myself, well, I definitely will take her a meal, but I want to see what everybody else is doing first. Not that I was being selfish or anything like that, but I thought, well, if people are going to the grocery store and buying something and taking it to her, or are they cooking it and taking to her, or, you know, what kind of things is, are they going to do? And so I thought, I'll wait and see what other posts say before I respond. The next day, I was sick, very sick. And it went completely out of my mind. And it stayed out of my mind until this past Thursday, almost a week. And I saw a post from her where she said, thank you to the two people who brought my family a meal. My heart was so pricked with shame and remorse. Why did I wait? Why did I think it was necessary to see what anybody else said or did? Why couldn't I have just jumped in the car and went and got her something and take it to her or make something right then? But I didn't. And I had to look at myself, at the whys. Why didn't I? Was it because of who she is? I've described you know, many of her uh, issues. She's certainly not my enemy, of course. I hardly know her. But is it because she's rough around the edges or because she asks all the time? Or was it because I'm who I am? And I'm not nearly enough concerned with the needs of others at the time that they needed me and I wasn't there? Is it because I'd rather be concerned only about the easy ones and ignore the harder ones that would cost me more in some way or another? I contacted her privately and I told her that I had been sick and that I didn't feel comfortable in cooking her food right at this time, but that I would love for her to make a list of groceries and send me the list and that I could order them and have them delivered to her home. I thought that would be a good solution. She didn't respond for several days. <laughs> And when she did respond, actually it was the next day, all she said was, we want cheese lasagna, no meat, and an energy drink called ZOA, Z-O-A, energy drink. No mention of groceries. I wrote back and said, is that it? And she said, yes, that's all we want. So I called three Italian restaurants. Guess what you can't buy from three Italian restaurants? Cheese pizza with no meat. Everybody wants the meat. 
pizza. So I went online and I looked up different grocery stores. Smart and Final had one cheese pizza big enough to feed her family. They had little tiny lunch-sized ones, but not a tray that would be suitable for her family. So I went there, did a little bit of shopping for myself, and I thought, well, I could include some milk and bread and cheese and things, lunch meats that a family, you know, would typically want. Things that I would have expected to be on her grocery list if she had provided it. But I felt like she would have told me, surely, if she wanted extra things, and I would have been happy to buy them. So I went to the manager and I said, you only have one cheese pizza in your frozen section here. Would you mind checking to see if you have any in the back? And he said, ma'am, I don't need to check. We have nothing in the back that's not in the shelves right now. I'm really sorry. This is it. So I bought the cheese pizza, a big bag of salad makings, some bread, and a watermelon. And I went to my car, and I texted her, and I said, I have your meal. Can I bring it now? And she said yes. And this was about probably 6 o'clock in the evening by now. So she gave me her address, and I drove to it on Bascom Avenue near the prune yard, and she said, park in the front of the building. So I went to the front of the building where she said park. There was nothing available. There was not even any street parking available. So I drove around the building like three times, and there, there was no parking. So I pulled into the prune yard and I contacted her again and I said, I'm not able to find any parking. Do you have any other thoughts or ideas? Expecting that she might say, I'll come get it from you. She said, no, you just need to park in the fire lane on the side of the building. And I said, do you mean where the big sign says, do not park here, fire lane only? And she said, yes, the manager even parks there. So I got back on to going the right way on to Bascom Avenue so I could pull into that, uh, into that parking lane. I'll tell you right up front, I didn't get a ticket or get towed, so thank the Lord for that. I parked my car right underneath the sign that said, do not park here, fire lane only. And I got out and I got the groceries and I went around to where she told me her unit was, past the swimming pool. And it was in a very narrow, dark, steep, and I'm not exaggerating, straight up staircase to the top of the stairs where her door was. I was feeling so weak still, and I thought, Lord, I don't know if I can climb up those stairs.
But I did, and I took one stair at a time, literally, carrying bags of groceries, a watermelon, and all of this stuff. I got up to the top, and I put it down in front of her door. And I made my way back to the car. And I wrote her back immediately, and I said, hopefully that was your door that I just put the groceries in front of. And she said, I got it, thanks. And that's all I've heard from her since. Then I had this conversation in my head on the way home. You might call it a prayer, or you might call it venting, or you can call it whatever you want, but I said, Lord, she's just not easy to deal with. She's really hard to help. I just wanted to shop online and have it delivered. Yeah, I'd pay a little bit more for the delivery service, but she'd get her groceries and I would have done something wonderful for someone else. Yay me. And she wanted the hardest thing in the world to find. <laughs> and I never even found the drinks. I looked at two different stores and they didn't have them, so I gave up on the energy drinks. And I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 25, 37 says these words. Our Lord and Savior said them. The disciples said, Lord, when did we clothe you and feed you and give you uh, blankets? And Jesus said, and then the righteous shall say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you or see you thirsty and we gave you something to drink or naked and we covered you? And Jesus replied, Surely I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. The Father in his great love shed his sunshine and his rain to the least of these even us who don't deserve it. But he did it because he loved us. And sometimes he wants us to be his hand extended to the least of these. Will you stand? There may be a time when I don't have it to share, oh, but God, in this time that I do, help me be willing immediately. Don't wait. Don't wait and see what everybody else is going to do. I've never cared what other people did in my whole life. Why would I care now? I don't know. I want to move and be responsive when I have the opportunity to do something for him and not wait for my own understanding to kick in. Because when we do it, he accounts it.
to our good, to our having done something to him. The scripture says, but when you do it to the least of these, you've done it as unto me. Oh, Jesus. Father, we want so desperately to be identified as your children. Oh, it's the most important thing in life, Lord, that we have your DNA in us. And it may cost us some uncomfortable uh, surroundings or some um, ill feelings, Lord. Oh, God, but change us. Change us on the inside that we can see a need and just run to it. That we don't stop and consider and we don't have to have it all thought out and have it our way, Lord. But we can do it unto the least of these. And you take that, oh God, and you mark it down in the ledger of our life and you say, they did it as unto me. Oh, God, deal with hearts and minds today, Lord, that we would be so much more responsive and so much more receptive to the moving of the Holy Spirit in us when we hear that still, small voice and challenge us, Lord, to go beyond ourselves to help others. Oh, we ask it in your name. And Father, as I opened this message with you, hide our souls in the cleft of the rock. We thank you, Lord. And we ask you once again to bring in those lost, that their souls also will be hidden in the cleft of the rock. Go with us and be with us, Lord. We're so thankful for your touch. We're so thankful for your spirit and your mercy and grace unto us, O oh Jesus. In Jesus' name we ask all of these things. Amen and amen. <laughs>